Fuck me like a cop, not a lawyer. Welcome to Quarantinema, a.k.a. Quarantinema, a.k.a. Quarantine Enema, the only podcast where we don't know how to say the title of the show. My name is Connor Sullivan. Thank you all for tuning in. I want to wish everybody out there a happy Easter. At the time of this recording, it is Easter night, so Jesus has probably came back and went back down by now. Uh, I mean, who knows how that works anyway. Uh, this episode drops the day after Easter, but we're still going to consider it our Easter episode. And because it is the Easter episode, uh, we got a couple things in store for you today. Uh, first off, we're doing our review of American Gangster, uh, one of the great set-it-forget-it movies of all time, uh, if you ask me. Uh, very, very fun movie with Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. Uh, but later on the show, we're going to be doing our top five Easter movies, so stick around for that. I uh, hope everyone is doing well in the meantime. Quarantine is... Going just about the same over here, uh, a couple episodes ago I told you I hurt my back uh, working out and I was more or less immobile, that has changed, I am on the mend, I am good to go, uh, I am ready to go nowhere, uh, I am prepared to remain on my couch and uh, to continue watching movies. But yeah, today uh, we did did a little Easter thing uh, around the apartment, had some ham, love me some ham, big time ham guy over here, got to talk to uh, some family members, which is great, you should all be doing the same. And speaking of Ham, uh, I want to talk a little bit about one of my favorite actors of all time, uh, specifically uh, at the end of what I thought was one of the great runs in cinematic history. I'm talking about Russell Crowe, the star of American Gangster. Uh, He also stars alongside Denzel Washington in this movie, uh, which I really think it's more Denzel's movie, but uh, these two guys just have such a good uh, dynamic. If you haven't seen the movie before, uh, it's a good old-fashioned cops and robbers, gangsters and drugs and... Uh, you know, the narco story, if you will. Uh, Russell Crowe, of course, plays the cop. Denzel plays Frank Lucas, one of the most infamous gangsters of the 20th century. And it's a great movie. It's directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, you know, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, Martian, Blade Runner. Uh, you know, he's he's a legend in his own respect. Uh, it's written by Steven Zalian, uh, another great writer. Uh, he was most recently nominated uh, for The Irishman. He also won an Oscar for Schindler's List. Uh, you might also recognize him from Moneyball uh, and Gangs of New York. Uh, the movie also stars, in addition to Denzel and Russell, you got Chwetel Ejrafor. I am 1 million percent butchering that name, but if you need any question, that's the guy from 12 Years a Slave, The Martian, Doctor Strange, Children of Men. Uh, Josh Brolin, this is uh, at the beginning of that comeback of his. That He had a really, really big 2007, which we'll kind of touch on later. Uh, John Hawks, uh, you know him from The Perfect Storm, uh, Three Billboards Outside uh, Evans, Missouri, uh, Eastbound and Down. Ruby D was nominated for an Oscar in this. Carla Gugiano, uh, you know her from Watchmen, Gerald's Game, Haunting of Hill House, which I'm still waiting for the follow-up to that series. Hopefully this quarantine doesn't fuck up the follow-up to that amazing season of television. Uh, it's also got just a bunch of other big names in smaller roles. Cuba Gooding, Idris Elba, T.I., it's got Kevin Corrigan, a.k.a. Uncle Eddie from Grounded for Life, who I'm not going to quite put him in the Cheddar Bob category of it's that guy from that thing, but he'll always be Uncle Eddie to me, uh, and he just kind of seems to pop up in random amazing gangster movies. He's in The Departed, he's in Goodfellas, uh, he's, he's really all over the map, but uh, Kevin Corrigan, very fun character actor to watch. Uh, so the movie itself, uh, let's get right into it, it is... So I earlier I called it a set-it-forget-it movie, and what I mean by that is you can really jump into this movie at any point and feel like you know exactly what's going on. It's a classic cops and robbers 
dynamic. You know, there's uh, the guys in organized crime, Frank Lucas and his group, and then you got uh, the narco guys, the guys trying to bring him down. It's just this big buildup uh, to a really, really great finale, and it's it, it's a it's a fun movie. It's not the best movie uh, in the genre I've ever seen. It's very rewatchable. I don't know how many times I've I've even seen this movie. Uh, it seems to be on TV all the time. Uh, maybe it might be in that TNT We Know Drama Hall of Fame, joining another uh, Denzel movie, Two Guns. And follow up after watching this movie, I really want my idea for Two Guns a sequel, Three Guns to happen. Uh, if you don't remember, that is Denzel Washington, Mark Wahlberg, and Russell Crowe starring Three Guns. It's a movie about an upset postman who gets double-crossed by a park ranger or something like that. But yeah, American Gangster, it's a... The the, the premise is very simple. Um, you know, drugs in the 60s and 70s, and just cops trying to bring them down. It's got a great soundtrack. The production design in this movie is unreal. This, I have no idea how they built as many sets as they did for this thing. They made it look exactly like 1960s and 70s Harlem. And, uh, you know, who knows better... Than what the mid 20th century Harlem looks like, than your old pal Connor Sullivan. I'd like to think that I know a thing or two about it. I went to go see a Globetrotters game once. It's cool. Uh, so the way they shoot the movie, it's very a lot of the color's been drained uh, from the movie. Uh, from the movie, it's very it's, it, it's very gray, so to speak. Not not that it's like black and white, but just like all the colors seem to have been drained uh, from the images, which make it it kind of gives it that older feel to it. Uh, you know, kind of like you're watching a movie from this era and they do a great job uh, all the there's a ton of supporting characters as i mentioned before and they all just kind of bring this world to life that's probably what the movie does best is it just kind of recreates this era so well uh we'll kind of talk about the sets a little more and did you knows uh once we get to the end and that's just something that i am blown away with every time i, I watch this movie uh but yeah the two uh lead guys in the movie russell and denzel uh so this was so uh, let me talk about Russell Crowe first. So Russell Crowe, when I was a kid, this movie came out in 2007, so I was 15, 14, 15 years old when that came out. Uh, and at this time, Russell Crowe was my favorite actor. At the time, he had done Master and Commander, which is a top 10 movie for me. Uh, of course, there was Gladiator, L.A. Confidential, 310 to Yuma, uh, which actually came out in the same year as this. You know, he's all over the map with these great, great movies, many of which we'll be talking about uh, in the future of the show. I believe the next one is going to be A Beautiful Mind, uh, which is only a couple episodes away now. We're getting near uh, the end of the A's. We're in the second episode of our American trilogy, so to speak. Uh, go listen to our last episode. We, listen, uh, we talked about American Beauty with a guest, a very special guest. Uh, and the next episode, we're going to be talking about American Graffiti, the oldest movie in my collection. So... But yeah, so Russell Crowe, he was, uh, you know, he, he's coming off this great decade, you know, from that late 90s up until around this time, he was, you know, everything he was in was just absolute gold. Uh, and it seemed like after this, he didn't really, he never really struck gold again. Uh, I mean, he's been in a lot of good movies, a lot of great movies, um, but, you know, none of them are like Russell Crowe movies. I'm trying to think, what's the best Russell Crowe movie that's come out in the last, like, 10 years or so? And I think the answer would probably be The Nice Guys, that movie he did with Ryan Gosling, which is very, very funny. It deserves a sequel. I really hope it comes out at some point. But yeah, looking through his, uh, you know, his recent filmography, you have The Mummy, 2017, uh, Fathers and Daughters, The Water Diviner, which was kind of just okay. That was his directional effort. 
Noah didn't really like that movie. Uh, Winter's Tale, Man of Steel, that whole the DC you know DCU franchise never really got off the ground over there. He's in Les Mis. I admit it, I'd never seen it, but I've heard he was absolutely terrible in it uh, from a lot of people. And then you know he uh, you know he did Robin Hood and others uh, Ridley Scott collaboration. He does he's done a lot of movies with Ridley Scott. Uh, he did that. Yeah, he did Gladiator. He did Body of Lies. Obviously, he's an American gangster here. Uh, he did a Good Year. He did Gladiator. He's, you know, he's him and Ridley Scott are, they kind of have that, I don't know, Scorsese, DiCaprio uh, pairing where they just make gold together. Uh, just one of those director-actor collaborations that uh, they always seem to do well. But just this is really, in my opinion, Russell Crowe's last like great movie. It's weird to say because this came out in 2007 and, you know, again, not saying Russell Crowe's washed up or anything like that. It's just been a while since he's he was the guy in Hollywood. Uh, in this movie, obviously, he plays good cop, so to speak. You know, he just he's an honest cop. Uh, a lot of other cops don't trust him, work, uh, don't like working with him. Uh, he's got RZA and John Hawks on his team uh, in the movie. And, you know, he, he plays a great, great cop. And it's this is everything you like to see in a cop movie like this. He's got the room with his team. And, you know, one guy's the street guy. One guy's the enforcer. One guy's the brains. And then they got cork boards with pictures of all the criminals and... They got strings going from picture to picture. You know, who's connected to who and this and that. Uh, it's just a, a good old-fashioned cool movie. Russell Crowe's always got this, like, weird Hawaiian shirt on. Uh, the movie rocks it pretty well. Not as well as Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but, you know, got to respect the guy for trying. And he's got a bunch of good, you know, zingers in this movie. A bunch of good one-liners, as, as I said at the beginning of the show. Uh, Fuck me like a cop, not a lawyer. One of the best... One, one of the most underrated one-liners in movie history, if you ask me. That should definitely be... You know what? That's your challenge for this week. Find a way to incorporate the phrase, fuck me like a cop, not a lawyer, into your everyday life. I encourage you all to do that. Consider that your quarantine and my homework assignment for the week. I'll be checking in with you guys later in the week. And uh, another thing about Russell Crowe, he always seems to do well when he's... He's really at his best when he's playing opposite uh, someone who's, you know, an equal heavyweight uh, so to speak, you know, look at his past movies. Gladiator, he's playing across Joaquin Phoenix, Body of Lies, he's with Leo, 310 to Yuma, Christian Bale, Cinderella Man, Paul Giamatti. He's at his, this This is just what he does. Him and Denzel is a great pairing. They're both at the top of their game. Uh, and speaking of Denzel, this is one of my favorite roles of his. I know he's, it's not necessarily his best role. You know, he didn't really get a lot of awards attention for this one, not, at least not like Training Day or Flight or, uh, glory, something like that. L- looking back on it this time, I've seen, again, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, but now watching it with like a more critical eye, I can definitely see why they didn't really get the love they deserved. But at the same time, this character is just so perfectly, you know, it's perfect for Denzel. It plays to his strengths great. It's We've had this debate before, you know, is it a great character or is it a great like Denzel movie? You know, it's always tough to find something kind of in the middle, like, remember the Titans, Training Day, stuff like that, I think that's Denzel playing to Denzel's strength and kind of making the character what it is, but then you see these movies like, like Flight, uh, what is it, J.W. Israel, whatever that lawyer movie was, uh, you know, he, he actually gets to play a character character and not just get to be Denzel Washington, so to speak, uh, but th- this is kind of what he does in that movie, and we, we, you know, we all have actors that do that, George Clooney comes to mind, you know, he's not really really playing a guy he's just like hey i'm george clooney and this is what i'm doing now this movie it's just kind of like hey i'm denzel this is what i'm doing in this one but denzel like i said he's great 
in the movie doesn't really have like a standout like moment so to speak he's just got such good chemistry with all the other uh, actors he's with one of the problems that I picked up on this time is that there's actually too many supporting characters in this movie like there's just it's a, it's this big ensemble cast you know he's got his family uh, that he's got a whole dynamic with there's the relationship with his mom and his brothers and then there's you know the Italian mafia he's got a relationship with then there's you know his assistants on his business side then there's a relationship with his wife and then uh, you know the dirty cops Josh Brolin in the movie and there's just eventually like it's this is a long movie it's two and a half hours long uh, it could probably be cut down to like two if you just cut out some of these stories lines for example the storyline with him and the Italian boss then they're just kind of it, it almost feels like they just wrote this movie or they wrote these scenes with the idea of like great quotes about success coming out like they want these to be written on dorm room posters forever like this the scenes to me just don't really come off as that interesting or relevant to the story so to speak the lead Italian uh, guy is played by Armand Asante and they just it just doesn't doesn't click. They spend a lot of time on the relationship between these two guys, and looking back on it, I think you can cut all these scenes out of the movie and nothing changes. It doesn't really move the plot forward in any way. They just kind of talk about, you know, it's we, we've all seen the movies, you know, these types of gangster movies where there's just quotes, like cheesy, hammy quotes thrown out about, uh, you know, success and how to get there and power and this and that. And like that, it, that seems to be like this guy's like purpose. Like he doesn't really move the story forward in any way. So that's just one of the things uh, I have to be critical about this movie. I don't have a lot to be critical about, uh, but that is just one of the things I wish that they kind of spent less time on that. Uh, one thing that the movie does do a great job of, uh, you know, it's got its flaws, but uh, again, the production design is just so fucking cool. It looks like you're in the seventies between Again, the lighting and the costumes that everyone has. And uh, the soundtrack in this movie is unreal. There's a lot of cool uh, sequences set to music. For example, uh, you know, the Hold On, I'm Coming uh, sequence where you're kind of seeing the ins and outs of Frank's operation on the back end. You know, how the heroin comes in, how it goes out, and, you know, who's cutting it and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And you guys all know the song. If you don't know Hold On, I'm Coming, you've definitely heard it in commercials or in movies or whatever, it's that so here you are during quarantine listening to me yell into a microphone and that's kind of where we are in the world right now so okay just a couple other things I want to get to here uh, the movie was only nominated for two Oscars Ruby D was nominated for Best Supporting Actress uh, she actually gets a really really good scene with Denzel where she uh, gets to slap him across the face the scene's only like 30-40 seconds long uh, but she's that good in that scene. That's probably what got her nominated in the first place. Other than that, she doesn't really have a whole lot to do. I remember when this movie came out, you know, she was getting nominated for everything. I think she won a couple of awards. She didn't win, uh, win an Oscar, but it was just one of those scenes where it's like, I remember watching it for the first time, and I was, even I was just like, this is it? Like, that's all That's all she did? That she, that she Okay, okay, whatever. Not, not saying she's not good. She just doesn't really have a, lot, a whole lot to do uh, other than that one key scene. And it was also nominated for the production design. It's easy to see uh, how this movie kind of gets lost in the shuffle of that year. 2007 was a legendary year for movies. Just so many good quality uh, films came out that year. And we're just going to scratch the surface here. Uh, no Country for Old Men 
There Will Be Blood, Juno, Atonement, Michael Clayton, Sweeney Todd, Into the Wild, I'm Not There, Gone Baby Gone, Charlie Wilson's War. We're going to be talking about a lot of these movies in the future in the podcast, but that's just like a glimpse as to how many good movies came out that year. So easy to see how American Gangster kind of gets lost in the shuffle there. You know, I feel like most other years it probably would have been a bigger player at the Oscar. This was clearly an Oscar bait kind of movie with the two big stars, big director, and oh, and speaking of Oscar, Oscar's big director, Ridley Scott's never won an Oscar. That's that's some bullshit. <laughs> uh, we got to give we got to get that guy something. Hopefully, his next movie. I don't know what it's going to be, but hopefully, you know, they kind of give him the Martin Scorsese treatment at some point. Like he's been making great movies for forty years now. For something like that and you know let's let's show the guy some love let's give the guy some well-deserved love a couple more things uh my favorite sequence in the movie is the raid uh near the end of the movie where uh russell crowe and his cops they're kind of taking over uh the, the the heroin den so to speak and it's in this uh building in the projects uh in harlem and just the the music that's set and the production design and the editing it's it's very tense it's uh it's very fun there's a lot of chase scenes there's a really good shootout involved uh, it's it's one of the best scenes, raid scenes, so to speak. We've all seen a good raid before in movies, but this is up there with the best of them. I would definitely give it a watch. Uh, would I'd give the whole movie a watch, uh, frankly. One of the annoying things about watching this movie is I have it on DVD, and every single time I watch it, I think my DVD is scratched or something because, like, one of the biggest scenes in the movie where Russell Crowe finally catches Denzel, right as soon as they meet, it just cuts to like five minutes forward in the movie and it, and there's only like a couple of minutes after that so i missed the whole big interrogation scene between the two of them and that's that's just a bummer um uh, and final thought about the actual movie josh brolin uh is really really good in this movie absolutely legendary mustache uh, i just want to make an acknowledgement about the 2007 that he had as i mentioned it was a legendary year for film and this guy kind of had his fingerprints all over a lot of good movies that year and josh brolin's been around for, you know forever he's been He's been acting since the 80s, you know, with the Goonies and everything. And this year, he kind of made his comeback. He was the lead in No Country for Old Men. He's also pops up in the in the Valley of Ella. Uh, and Planet Terror, my favorite zombie movie of all time. We're going to be talking about that down the road here. And he's an American gangster. does a great job. Just want to give Josh Brolin some love. All right, so uh, as I mentioned before, this is our Easter episode. So uh, I'm going to go over my top five Easter movies with you guys real quick. Uh, and they are not up for debate because... This is my podcast and what I say goes. Uh, coming in at number five for Easter movies, we have A Christmas Story. That's right. A Christmas Story is, I consider it an Easter movie, strictly because of that one scene with Ralphie in the little bunny outfit. It's the first time you see it. It's hilarious. It's very much overplayed between memes and 24 hours of Christmas Story on Christmas Eve and whatnot. So let's stop thinking of it as a Christmas movie and let's embrace it as an Easter movie. We need more Christmas Story on our TVs. Uh, number four on top five Easter movies of all time. I'm going to go Us. Uh, came out last year. Jordan Peele's uh, kind of spooky carbon copy movie, so to speak. Uh, there's the people who live in the... Uh, basically, all the people who live underground there, they're kind of surviving off of eating rabbits, raw rabbit. And it's a little it's a little fucked up. I'm not going to lie. It's, pr- it's pretty fucked up. Uh, it's a very, very, very great movie. It's... It, it, it scared the shit out of me the first time I saw it. I actually need to watch it again. I've only seen it that one time. Uh, but now that we're here talking about Easter, maybe I should go see Us again. It's a great, great movie. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with The Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski, uh, of course, features none other than Jesus himself uh, is in the movie. He's uh, one of the great side characters in 
cinematic history. Uh, he's got his own uh, spinoff movie coming at some point. John Turturro does a great job playing that character. Uh, but just remember, eight-year-olds, dude. Eight-year-olds. He's a petter ass. Number two uh, came out last year, won a couple Oscars. Jojo Rabbit. A nice little, you know, nothing says Easter like uh, some Nazi propaganda. And I just really, really like this movie. I thought it was hilarious and heartfelt. And, you know, there's a couple of gut punch scenes in there. But at the same time, Taika Waititi is, he, he's one of my favorite working directors today. If you didn't get a chance to go see Jojo Rabbit, absolutely do that. And number one Easter movie of all time, Space Jam. If you don't think Lola Boning is an absolute dime, then you and I, you know what, just stop listening to my podcast then. Just just stop it. Just stop it. We all, we all had feelings about Lola Bunny when we were growing up. Okay, so we're going to get into the Did You Knows here. Every episode I go through the movie's IMDb page, go to the Did You Knows. There's a bunch of facts listed off there, uh, some things that you might not have known about the movie. And i got a couple for you here. I'm going to give you some takes. Uh, number one, Ridley Scott recalls that this production was one of the most massive undertakings of his career. There are 360 scenes filmed in over 180 different locations. And another note there, the movie was shot in 83 days. So let's, all right, let's do some, let's break up the math machine here. So 180 locations in 83 days. That comes out to, that comes out to 2.16 locations a day. Obviously, I'm assuming he couldn't be at every shot. Uh, you know, it was probably different, a couple different production teams working on this. But mixing that with the production design, how they made everything look like the 70s and this and that, I can't even imagine that this shooting schedule must have been crazy. If you go through the Did You Knows, a lot of the uh, Did You Knows were budget related. And I'll kind of get into the next one here based on that. Uh, David Fincher was interested in making the film back when the script was titled Superfly, but he and the studio could not agree on an appropriate budget for the film. So it kind of makes me wonder what. Like, what What did they want to do with this movie? Because the movie's already so big. The cast is, you know, it's 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 got Denzel and mid-2000s Russell Crowe. And, you know, those are guys who demand pretty hefty paychecks as it is. Not to mention you have all this other star power in the cast itself. You have uh, the throwback set designs. You have the rights to the music and everything. It's just like, how do, like what, what fucking number <laughs> could they not agree on? And according to according to IMDb, the, the budget ended up coming in at hundred million dollars, and it made one hundred and thirty. So, hey, you made some money, great. I don't know what what more could people have done. And David Fincher, if you've ever heard stories about him directing, he's a very, uh, I mean, he's an amazing director. He's one of the best directors working today, uh, and really over has been one of the best for the last twenty years or so. Uh, but he's a notoriously slow filmmaker. Uh, he does he has his actors do a lot of takes, a lot of this, a lot of that. And he's, he's just slow. He's great, but he's slow. So I don't think he would, really would have been able to do this movie the way... I don't think he would have been able to do it the way Ridley did it with that many locations in that short a time span. So, But hey, I'm glad, I'm glad we got Ridley Scott to do it. And David Fincher's obviously gone off and he's done just fine. All right, third did you know here, uh, Will Smith was an alternate choice to play Frank. The biggest what if in this movie is... What if Will Smith got cast, and then while the credits were playing, Will Smith actually did his signature movie rap during the end of it? That would have been absolutely incredible. Uh, but alas, it was not meant to be. Uh, so last segment, uh, we're going to rate the movie one to five hazmats, uh, five being the best. I'm going to give this, 
You know, I'm only going to give this one a three and a half, I think. Yeah, yeah, we're going to go three and a half. I've been handing out a lot of fours lately. I don't think that this quite lives up to it. Maybe it's just because I've seen this movie so many times that it just doesn't hold as much weight as it did the first time I saw it. Like, when I, when I first saw it when I was a teenager, I, I fucking loved this movie. Uh, but, you know, years have gone by, and having seen it so many times, I have a more critical eye of, you know, what this movie is at this point. Again, it's on TV all the time, so... It's just one of those things, like, I know where the flaws are in the movie, so it's more easy for me to pick them out. Uh, so we're going to go with a three and a half. Well, that's about all we got here today, folks. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod. This podcast is available on all major streaming services. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, The Works. Uh, so give us a like and subscribe, please. I'd really appreciate it. I'd really, 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 really appreciate it. I'm, for both of you listening right now, I would really, really, really appreciate it. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell your uncle. I don't know. Just just fucking listen to my show, okay? All right, so we're going to wrap things up here. Thank you all again for listening. Hope everyone is doing well. Stay safe. Stay indoors. Wash your hands. Uh, wear your face mask now. That's a new thing that I guess we all have to do. Uh, so be sure you start wearing those. And remember, don't be a hero, stay inside, watch a movie.